Welcome to Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the EWC breakdown for March 8th, 2022. This is March Madness. We are now in the thick of it right now. Boys, their sectionals are starting up. It's heating up right now. And then girls, state is starting. So we have a lot of good stuff to talk about. I, myself, Drew Skyberg, I'm here today and I'm joined alongside Robert Schimmick. So Robert, how you doing? It's March. We're ready to go. Yeah, exactly. It is insane. We have to talk about the insane stories that have happened around the WIA, Robert. We'll we'll start we'll start with Nina and Hortonville. Um, if you guys have not seen this, it, it's kind of gone crazy on Twitter, right? With there was a controversial. It was called the traveling call, and it happened as a as a player was calling a timeout for Hortonville, and this was in the Division One sectional semi game Thursday uh, with. Nina and Hortonville. It was in Kimberly. And yeah, like I said, the whole, you know, I am going to try to paint the picture here, but the, um, a girl's dribbling up the court and uh, she called timeout right past half court. She called timeout uh, coach called timeout. Right. And uh, uh, what, what the official did, they proceeded to call a travel over and instead of granting the timeout. So um, therefore whole, Everyone's upset, right? And then um, we see the coach actually get a technical foul uh, for throwing the the whiteboard we saw. But, uh, Robert, what were your thoughts on this play in general? Well, you know, I, I don't know if I'm maybe, – maybe you could blame it on the Kimberly gym because that's the second call we've seen at the Kimberly gym late in the game, one with the boys and now one with the girls. This one uh, really more big because it ended – Hortonville, who was number one all year, ended their season. But, yeah, I don't know. I think just as a ref there, I mean, I'm a ref myself, obviously not refing sectional games, but I just think you kind of have to expect a timeout coming. And from people I've just heard on Twitter or people in the gym, they've all said, like, it was everyone was just screaming timeout, timeout. Like, if you watch the video, their coach, like, just assumed they had a timeout. She's already drawn up a play on her whiteboard. And all of a sudden she hears travel and she can't even believe it. I don't know. I, I looked at the play, multiple views. I, I it, It's close. I mean, it definitely looked awkward. Um, it looked weird. But at the same time, I just think when everyone's calling timeout and you're expecting a timeout, I think you just have to grant them timeout. And I, I don't think it – it could have easily been avoided, I think, by like the baseline ref – coming in and be like oh we screwed this up we it can't end this exactly Wolves' whistle and says no i had a timeout first and then every, okay i had timeout first i mean nina can't really get upset about that just because and then the point it, what got me really upset was you can't i don't i don't really even care what happened i i'm not calling a technical on their coach there after you kind of just blew that like she could have threw a chair and i i don't i'm still not probably giving her a technical fall it's it was just like I don't know I think I don't I, obviously you can't hear what was said so we can't obviously make that decision but I, I just think after you make a call like that you just kind of have to you just can't give an, a weak technical basically um, uh, deciding the game there but I'll say this I mean Nina they were up too they it's not like you know it's not like it lost them the game they were still down too um, Nina played great down the stretch so I I, I don't know I I'm. It's just what it is, and Nina was winning, so I'm not even that upset that they move on. Yeah, you mentioned something Bob Knight-esque there with the chair, maybe, but uh, wow, uh, th- there's a lot of questions, right? I mean, you met you mentioned some of them. 
Uh, really, we didn't see the officials get together after this to maybe even talk through this play. That was something I thought maybe we, you know, might have cleared some things up. And yeah, would Nina or would Nina fans or Nina, you know, the coach and or players even in general be maybe upset if they were they granted that timeout? I I think you know, um, there's a, there's sometimes people say over officiating, and that sometimes you know that might be a word that we've seen thrown out uh, regarding this. I could see. Um, you know, we mentioned even off, you know, maybe even a carry call, right? Is that something? Because yeah. the, the call is actually a travel. And um, like we, we were talking, you know, don't maybe not even to refer to it as a travel, but, you know, it was just an yeah. awkward, awkward movement, where, which, you know, caused the official to call to call a travel is what, what the call was. But I don't, the, a lot of questions, I think, with this, but um yeah, I guess to kind of wrap things up here, um, it was just one play in the game, and we wanted to mention it because uh, this was very controversial. Twitter was going crazy after this play and after this game in general. But, yeah, one play doesn't really just, you know, play play a part in the game, but you can't really, you know, say uh, Hortonville would have won if this call wasn't the, because they were still losing, right? Yeah. So that's, that's where at the end of the day, you know, it's a bummer for Hortonville to maybe go out with, kind of a sour taste in their mouth after a call like this that, you know, you don't know how it would have worked out, but Hey, um, it's playoff basketball. So we'll, we'll move on with that. Uh, Robert, we'll talk about the lone girls game that, you know, the lone team in the EWC that was left for the girls. It was the brilliant lions after they beat, they did beat Keel in that sectional uh, semi. Right. So, and you know what they say about, you know, playing a team three times, it's always a good time. Um, with them splitting the series now, uh, and this was kind of like best of three, right? So we saw we, Brilliant took care of Keel, right? I mean, do you want to add anything with that game before we talk about that Saturday game against Freedom? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I watched it on the Keel Raider radio broadcast here. And, I mean, basically it was just the first half. I think Brilliant was probably 8 for 10, 8 for 11 from beyond the arc. Just and it's not like they they didn't hit the rim. I just – I couldn't, it was just an insane, they didn't shoot like that the entire year, an insane shooting night for Brilliant, they kind of just, they were just on one that night, I mean, uh, Elena Shue, Aubrey Williams, Maya, Megan, like, they, they were all just on hitting threes in that first half, and McKenna Dietrich had two, like, they, they, it was just a perfect half, they scored it was 40 to 20 at halftime, it was pretty much over from there. But yeah, those that didn't last long once they ran into freedom. Yeah, and with freedom, I, I mean, I wasn't, I was not there at that game. I was delivering hoodies Saturday. But what what happened there? Eighty three forty six was the final. Freedom got the win. Would you say, you know, is there is there really anything Brilliant could have done game plan game planning wise? Was there any strategy maybe, or, or what could Brilliant have done better? Um. Yeah. I mean, I. Like I said at the game, I think they play 50 times. Brilliant wins two, one. Like it, it's it was just one of those things where freedom, you know, they, they they're just way better team. They have uh, several college players on that team. One D one player, um, and she she was just a horse in that game. A uh, really good post player, and like I said, I like I said to you before the meeting, they they probably I bet you kind of like brilliant. They were really really good on their three-point percentage I bet you they had 10 to 12 threes in the game probably around 45 to 50 percent 
and they were just a better team. So, I, I, yeah, really, I mean, you can't – no one can point fingers at Brilliant. Oh, we should on this. I mean, it was just a blowout from about the 10-minute mark to almost running clock at the end of the second half. And Freedom, they're going to go on, and they're probably my pick to win it all. Them and Wapon will be close. Yeah, and like you mentioned, several college players. It was Megan Alexander had 17. That's That was her leading scorer. She's going Division yeah. Two South – South Dakota mines for, for school there. So, you know, just to point out like they, they, this team's full, full of talent and really tough for brilliant, just a tough matchup. I'd say in a sectional final to say the least, but uh, now I guess let's transition a little into boys. We'll start with another controversial story that happened in the WIA playoffs. And this one, St. Thomas Moore, uh, what happened was basically they were forced I mean, they were forced to either use JV players or forfeit the game after a fight that took place in a in one of their games in the playoffs. And it was against, they would have played Brown Deer then. They, they opted to forfeit because they would have had to play JV players. Uh, and, and basically the whole rule being, you know, if players from the bench leave the bench during a fight, they're suspended as well. Uh, Robert, what were your thoughts on this? I, I, I'm, I know you've seen this, but what, what did you think? You know, I mean, a lot of people are quickly to, like, get mad. I mean, the WIA is always in a hard spot with these things. So, I mean, a lot of people are easy to sit behind a computer or phone and just say, oh, WIA, you're ruining kids' lives, you're doing this. But I don't know. I, I'm usually on that side of things. But I, this, this, I, I just looked at it, like, who are they playing, like, Mercer Academy or some, like, some team that they had no business losing to or even being close. And it wasn't close. You're in the back half of this, you're closing out the game. And yeah, like, like, you know, you're a team that playing St. Thomas more, you're down 35. You don't, you don't have anything to play for. You're just, who knows? And it's, it's different basketball down in that uh, Southeast corner of the state. And it's just like, these things happen. I feel like St. Thomas more, you know, this team that you're beating is, is no threat to you. Like, they kind of started like it had happened. So who's, who's there? Was it Fuller Academy or it, it was, it was, yep. I, I got the, it was Fuller First Collegiate Academy. Academy. They played, Fuller they, Academy. they, they were up 82, 50, um, 82, 52. They won, they advanced, but then they weren't, they had to opt to play JV players. And yeah, this team was a one seed too, to point that out as well. So yeah, like they were ranked in the top five on the AP poll, but like, so yeah, like Fuller Academy, it's just like th- this team had nothing to do. So basically, yeah, like one of the players kind of like walked over a guy who was on the floor and then St. Thomas Moore guy shoves him, which I mean, fans, it was an ugly scene. Fans were on the court. Everyone's leaving the bench. And it's like, I don't really fault the players for leaving the bench really just because like, it's not like they came out just throwing haymakers. It wasn't like a brawl. It was just, they came out kind of like, you know, either break stuff up or just kind of protect their team. But at the same time, it's just like, how do you let that happen when you have so much to lose and people are getting shoved into hallways and and fans are, it's just like, honestly, for the WIA, like what do people really expect them to do? It's just like, that's the rule. If you leave the bench, so you really can't say, oh, they were trying to protect it. No, just stay on the bench. The five players on the floor, and it's just like it's not the WIA's job to you know, spend hours uh, dissecting every security camera on every you know stream. So it's just like they just kind of got put in a bad situation. 
So that that's the ruling they made. And honestly, it's just like you can't really get yourself in that situation. You have to be above fighting Fuller Collegiate Academy in the WIA semifinal game or yeah, regional semifinal. Yep. Like it's you got to be better so than I don't that. Know, it's a tough situation. I don't I don't like like that their whole team got disqualified. But at the end of the day, don't get yourself in that situation. That's that's my advice. Yeah. Right. And. Um, they now they're appealing it right now. Um, St. Thomas More High School they they file an appeal, and they're they are asking the league to reconsider its suspension of the school's RC players. So I don't I don't think this is going to go anywhere because we got to get the show rolling, right? I, I mean, we got state coming up next weekend already. So um, I I think this isn't going to go anywhere, Robert. I, I'm sure you agree with me on that, right? This is just yeah. Like, I, I yeah. think I don't really it's know real. what they expect them to do. It's they already played another game, so it's just like you can't discredit another team or Brown Deer, whoever. Like, it's not fair to them, and yeah, it's just like I think I think the same thing might have happened with Xavier about ten years ago when they had that illegal player play for them, and they got lawyers involved, and obviously you just can't do anything. It's just like it sucks, but those are rules, and you got to deal with it. You can't have that happen in March. Yeah, and and Mesmer, the thirteen seed, they played. Or they won via forfeit against Car- the four seed Carmen Northwest, and that's who Brown Deer played um, in the regional. You know, in the regional, was it the quarterfinal? So, um, yeah, they were or the regional semifinal. My bad. But so they actually benefited from two forfeits right now in the playoffs Carmen, already. Yeah. yeah, Carmen's a good team. I watched a video of them. They they barely lost to Milwaukee Science. I think by like one ninety eight, ninety nine, something like that. It was by like one point. They're a really good team. So, that yeah, that's kind of lucky for Brown Deer. Yeah, exactly. And Brown Deer are catching these breaks. Now they play, right? And right now, to top it off, too, the sectional, it'll probably get moved, but it's at Brown Deer right now. So, I, I'm sure they'll get that. They'll probably change that, but uh, they'll play Dominican. So, uh, we'll, we'll talk now EWC stuff, however. Uh, very, very soon we'll be talking conference teams when they're announced and conference play of the year. Our reactions, our teams, we'll, we'll talk all about it in a future episode, but right now, as this is the Tuesday breakdown episodes, we'll keep them, try to keep them shorter. We'll talk, we'll start in division three. We'll talk about the crazy games that happened for EWC teams. We'll start, you know, in the bottom right, bottom right corner here, you know, with, with brilliant, right. They, they played Utsberg. They, they struggled a little bit against Utsberg. I know it was a 17 point win, but I mean, I think that's a little misleading with how that first half was played 31, 26. I believe Utsberg was up at half. And then, yeah, Brilliant was able to – it was all Brilliant second half, and they were able to take care of the win. But the big one was the regional final against Denmark, Robert. You watched that game. I'll let you start with your thoughts and reactions of that regional final. Yeah, so I wasn't in attendance. I was filming an Oshkosh game in the bleachers and kind of just pausing and at dead balls watching and then at halftime. I mean, I was – you know, Brilliant started – and it was like 11, 6, 14, 8. Like it, they, they had like a 6, 8-point lead early in the game, and I thought Brilliant's just better. I mean, Jeremy Lorenz went on a little run to start the game where he had like three blocks in a row. He took it coast to coast, blew by Donovan Short one time, and he was just really, really on fire. But it's just like picked up a couple ticky-tack falls early on and just maybe not the most disciplined um fouls he was trying to block a lot of shots whether they were clean or not just leaving his feet 
and he, he had like one fall in the first half, but picked up two right away in the second half, picked up his fourth then, uh, I think with about 13, 11 minutes left. And at that point, Brilliant was down 10 at halftime. Denmark got one on a run to close the half. And Jeremy Lorenz, when he went out, it was, I believe, like a 13, 12-point game. And I was like, well, he's got four shoots. I thought I thought Brilliant, you know, I, I knew it, they could still come back and battle. But I was like, this this is going to be tough. And, I mean, credit Grady Geiger hit some hit a three at the top of the key. Caden Holly, Caden Holly made some very, very tough plays had some steals. I mean, Caden Holly is one of the best guards in the EWC. Maybe just though his points per game is not up there with the leaders, but he is very, very good, very good shooter. He made a lot of great plays. So Brilliant just, yeah, they kind of clawed it back. And then it was Lorenz came back in. They, they went on a little run without Lorenz. And Lorenz came back in with about maybe seven minutes left. And it was now about a six-point game. He had, like, two baskets, two tough finishes. And then, like, I think I listened to your uh, episode um, that came out. Was it today? It would have been Mondays, yeah. I listened to that. You kind of – you because you watched the game, right, or the second half? I I was able to catch some – yeah. That was for the one-year anniversary he's talking about. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I, you kind of gave a little recap there on, like, the, the call. So Lorenz is just driving down the right side or drew from the top of the key to, like, about the elbow. And Short's kind of riding him. He's kind of got an arm on Short, and then he kind of just, like, tries to move him with his hip. In 6'10", 230, Donovan Short just goes flying. Um, I mean, you would have thought he got, you know, just – he came we went flying through the air, went to the ground, called a charge – it was borderline. I mean, obviously it was a flop. If you, you, it, I was, it wasn't the worst call a charge, but it, I don't think it was a charge. So anyway, Lorenz has to sit down at this point. I'm like, I don't know about this. And then, yeah, they, they just kind of kept themselves in it. And I thought the play of the game for brilliant was like you said, Donovan short trying to be the hero and posterizing Bennett Olsen in the process. I didn't know if he was like, you know, going to be able to walk, the rest of the night and he's sitting on the bench for the last two minutes of the game. And yeah, the Denmark missed free throws. Uh, they airballed one missed four free throws and it was a one point game. Brilliant called their play. Parker Brown came down the floor and just turned it over, threw it right to the defense. So with about, you know, 30 seconds left, um, Brilliant's down one and they have to, fo- they, they fall. They didn't follow Denmark called the timeout. They stole the inbounds pass, and then Parker Brown did not have a great night, but he, you know, give credit to him, still attacked, got fouled, got the biggest, like, roll ever on the first one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was up on, like, the top of the backboard, fell in somehow, drained the second one, and then Donovan Short somehow looked fine for that last possession, came out on the floor, they got him on like a ball screen backdoor slip, but Grady Geiger just saw it really well, read it, and just swiped the ball from his hands, hit the backboard, and Mason Banky threw it down to the other end. And I'll say this, I watched, I've probably seen every brilliant game for the last 10 years. That was number one on like just nuts win, like insane wins. Like I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't believe what I just watched. It was just like, I don't know. They they escaped with a win. We'll just say that. And now they got Kiwani. 
Yeah, I mean, you you touched on it perfectly, right? They've they've made some big shots when they needed to in this postseason. I guess if we want to word it like that, Bennett Olson also has made some big threes in those first two games. I'd say mm-hmm. just to really you know get momentum going. But I mean, I I was able to catch. I watched that brilliant Utsberg game as well. It seems you know at least in the postseason in general, I've seen. I, I've seen everything being a charge. I, I'm talking officiating, not not to complain whatsoever. Oh, Lord, but it yeah. seems it seems we've seen a lot of that, Robert. And it sounds like you agree with me, right? Yeah, I'd almost. I mean, and I, I always like try to you know be on the ref side or you know yeah. give them. But but it's just like at some point in time, it's just like I don't know. They kind of just have to reevaluate. Not everything can be a charge. Exactly, and that's kind of what, I, what I've seen as well in the games I've watched. But let's talk about the game because now, you know, we know Brilliant is playing Kiwani. But to get there, Kiwani did beat number six, Keel, and that was at Keel. That was a 43-42 game. And, yeah, stats are in for this game, so we were looking through it. Um, Brayton April coming up big again, 12 points. He was the leading scorer for the Keel Raiders, something – not many probably would think, you know, looking at how the regular season went out and overall. But, yeah, Brayden April is a solid player, and he's certainly going to be one of those guys for the future, of course, for the Raiders. And, yeah, this Kiwani team was, you know, I, I Valders beat this Kiwani team, if I'm not mistaken. So I just want to point that out. But, uh, Robert, what did, you know, what what have you seen from this Kiel game? And what, what overall are your thoughts? Let's hear them. Well, to start, I just think Kiwani executed a very good defensive game. Like, I think their goal was just, okay, we're going to slow it down. And Kiwani's kind of – they're in the Packer land. They, they like to speed things up. They like to score points. And traditionally, the Packer land has just been kind of, oh, let's shoot a bunch of threes. Let's just score a bunch of points. But in this game, they knew, like, okay, we're not going to win it if we're just going to let Keel run up and down the floor and let – let Munns get offensive rebounds and let, they're not going to win it that way. So I think they really just kind of slowed him down on defense. Ben Himes, a good player for Kiwani. He didn't play the first time these two teams met and he was a difference. I mean, he, he, he's kind of a streaky player, shoots a ton, but he makes them go and they, Kiwani did just enough to barely, I mean, they play 10 times. I think he'll win seven to eight of them, but, yeah, it didn't happen that night. They, they're they going to win in the 40s, and that's what they had to do. And they're not going to win 70 to 65. They're not going to win those high-scoring games. So they knew that, okay, we're just going to force Keel to shoot a lot of contested threes. We're not going to let them dribble around. And that's just kind of what happened. And, you know, uh, Keel was in like – they were kind of switching defenses. They're in a zone late in the second half, and – Kiwani just, you know, dribbled the gap and just found guys sitting on the block and they, they just made some big scores, but yeah, Braden April um, mentioned him a couple times. I mean, he had a big, big, tough finish. Uh, Kettle Marine Lutheran with defenders flying by him and kind of adjusted himself in the air to make that one. That was probably the highlight of his young career so far, but he's got a lot of highlights left and that, that guy's a special player for the next three years. Keel's going to be lucky to have him. Yeah, for sure. And if you are the brilliant lines, you got to be happy with facing Kiwani, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, I mean, Brilliant beat them by 20 at Kiwani earlier in the year. Back when Brilliant was still undefeated and they kind of on their little run there, they went through there in the middle of the season. And 
Obviously, I don't think you can expect it to be an easy 20-point game, but I'd still favor Brilliant in this one. I mean, I, I just don't know how Kiwani's really going to match up with their size. I think if Kiwani's going to win, they have to just force Brilliant to play slow and force Brilliant to chuck up threes. I mean, I think if Brilliant gets it in a fast-paced type of game and gets it you know, where they can just dominate the inside, I like Brilliant in this one. Yeah, and you know maybe if you're Kiwani, you got to watch what Utsberg did to Brilliant in that first half. Not saying, you know that that it would exactly translate over because Brilliant did start really slow in that game. But just anything you know for Kiwani to make it a game, right? Because you mentioned a twenty point uh, loss for Kiwani the first first go around. But here we go. That game is at Chilton, and then yeah, Brilliant. If they win that game, they'll already know um, who they'll be playing because that game. The game above, you know, freedom with the girls making it to state. Uh, they move that game to Wednesday, and that's at, at O'Connell Falls. So either Northland Pines or Freedom. So we could potentially see a, a brilliant Freedom round two, right? And this time now a sectional final in the boys area, and that would be at Two Rivers. So, uh, Robert, do you know any, you know, Northland Pines? I mean, they, they've made it out of regionals. I know that was a team. Maybe as a one seed, there is some question about, but what do you think about these two schools matching up Northland, Northland Pines and Freedom? And who would you rather play? I mean, if I'm brilliant and the game stays at Two Rivers, I'd rather play Northland Pines just because I think they're not very familiar with this area and they're going to have to travel four hours to come play you. So I think brilliant gets a little advantage there right away. But I watched Northland Pines play Xavier, and they're, they're just a good team. They're, they're really balanced. They got a bunch of juniors who are really solid, um, just can shoot, can drive, just, just overall nice players in. I didn't watch it that closely, just bits and pieces of the game. But, yeah, they, they beat Xavier on their home floor, and it was a pretty big deal when they won. And um, so this team's got some momentum right now. They, I think they had a couple mutual opponents with Freedom, and Northland Pines did not do as well as Freedom against those teams. So I think Freedom is my pick here for this one. But you never know. It's it's March. Uh, Northland Pines is hot. But, yeah, I, I just think um, if Brilliant can beat, uh, can beat uh, Kiwani, both teams would be a good matchup. And I think, I think Freedom – they really match up pretty uh, good with them just because you got two stars and Van Kelster and Lorenz. And then you got freedom's got some height and they're athletic and brilliant's got some height too. And they're pretty athletic. So I think that's very good game if they play. Yeah. I, I think yeah, you hit it right on the nose. It's going to be a great game. If I think freedom brilliant round two would be a lot of fun. See if maybe brilliant can avenge the girls loss. So with that, let's go to Division Four, right? Um, we won't spend much here on Ron Colley. They won eighty-two thirty. They blew them out. They play St. Mary Catholic. I got them winning that game. I think it'll be. I don't know if it'll be even that close. I think sectional final. Um, I'm gonna guess Iola gets there, and I think that's gonna be a tough game for Ron Colley. I think that'll be a good game, Robert. I, are you with me on that? Yeah. First, I mean, Ron Colley played St. Mary's in the beginning, like midway through the season. And if I remember correctly, Ron Colley got out to a 20 0 run to start the game. And that's when Ron Colley was still undefeated and they were playing really well. And then I think past that point, St. Mary's just kind of beat them 
like from that point on, but obviously they couldn't overcome the 20 point deficit. That's, but I think at a neutral site, where's that game at? Menasha. Okay. I mean, yeah. So, uh, SMC's right, right close to their home gym. They don't have much travel. Ron Colley's got about, you know, almost an hour. So I, I think, I think that's a closer game than many would expect just because SMC can get really hot. I still expect Ron Colley to win that one by about 10. And then, yeah, I mean, Iola, they're still undefeated, I believe, 25 and all. And they got a really good player, Parker Prawl. Really good player. And, yeah, I, I think Ron Colley's got their hands full in that one. I still think Ron Colley might be my pick, though, there. I just think they're very solid. I know you mentioned on your previous episode they have some injuries, but, it, you know, rosters shrink in or subbing and lineups shrink when you come into sectional and regional games. So, I just think you got of just Witzak, uh, Yanda, and Pouts. You just got to work, work through them like they have all year. I think they'll be okay, but that one will be a great game. Yeah, and that game will be then at Auburndale. So that will be a game for state. Interesting. And then let's go to the other section or other area in Division 4. This is where Valders was, right? So um, we talked Valders, St. Mary's Springs, and you know, Robert and I, a general consensus of people thought, you know, even though Valors was the seven seed, you're playing the two seed, that Valors was the favorite, right? St. Mary's Springs, it felt almost had no business maybe being a two seed in, you know, matching up with Valors there. And yeah, Valors ended up getting that win in overtime, 60 to 57. And yeah, Robert, were you able to catch any of that? And what were your thoughts? Because like, like we said, Valors being the favorite and yeah, rightfully so. They they did their job. Yeah, um, yeah. Like like I said earlier, I had them to win that game. I didn't catch too much of it. I think just kind of in the end, like that. Were that was that an overtime game? That yep, right? overtime. Yep, yep. Yeah, that was an overtime game, and yeah, Valder's Valder's just a better team. I think overall, wasn't surprised they won, and yeah, they just did what they needed to do. Um, who played? Who led them in scoring that game, Valder's? I, th- I believe it was Hovey. I, I don't, there no stats. They don't give us stats for yeah. um, Valors. It does not have any of them in. So I'm going to say Hovey, but again, I could be wrong. So I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, they, they, I just think overall they're, they, they were just a better team. They played better competition all year long and you know, they're in that, Springs in that flyaway conference, I believe. And it's just, yeah, they, they played better competition. They were, I think they were more ready and probably better coached in that game, but it's just, yeah. And then they played Howard's Grove and yeah, like you said, they hung in there, but you want to cover that game at all? No, you're I, I would love to. I was actually in attendance of that game. Oh, I, I actually no bias even. I, I had Valors winning that game. I, I think I thought they, you know, it was an eight point game. Ballers was up maybe two or three still with like six minutes to go, right? It, it was back and forth, back and forth. But at the end of the day, yeah, Howard's Grove was able to get that eight-point win. And then, yeah, talking stats, you know, the of course the name was Miles Barnstable. You know, he was kind of that, that top guy for Howard's Grove all year. He finished with 26, but, you know, it, it was 11 from 11 from the line. I felt – I still felt that Mason Myers did a phenomenal job on him. Even Hovey matching up with him once in a while, I still – think regardless of the 26 points as look he got a clear path foul um uh with you know two three minutes to go right he was shooting foul or free throws to 
close out the game. It, it just felt like it was a, a a 26 point outing that was really, you know, maybe, maybe less. Right. So I just think how, or Howard's Grove, they still played well. Right. Um, I mean, it was there at that wonderful Howard's Grove gym is where it was played and oh. um, which didn't have enough seating. It was, you know, they had to bring chairs out, but they were able to fit everyone in um, if they wanted to watch the game, which was great. But yeah, they, they moved then the sectional semi. It, it was supposed to be at Hilbert, Robert. So talk about trying to fit, you know, Sheboygan Lutheran and Howard's Grove, the fans all in Hilbert's gym. That, that That's just not going to happen, right? So they moved that game. Uh, Sheboygan South now is the location. But yeah, Cole Hovey took over at the end, right? He was trading buckets with some of the Howard's Grove players and, you know, Jackson Olsen. Well, what hurt was he picked up three fouls in 10 minutes. So he had three already. Um and that you know that that put Valders in a tough spot. It really did. Uh, he he sat most of the end of the first half, like that second half of the first half, maybe if you want to call it that. And that was definitely you know a crucial part of the game. Uh, and yeah, I overall just a tough way for Valders to go out uh, losing you know Brady Bodart, Mason Myers, those guys. But you know hey they they still have that that junior class. They're coming back for. Season number four, and of course, Cole and Jackson highlight that squad. And I'm excited for his Valor's team next year, Albert. Yeah, me too. I think, I think they'll be they'll have some good matchups with Keel. I think right now I'd put them just because they're losing their Mason Myers, who's very undervalued player, oh, yeah. underrated player, and Bodart, who's just another shooter. I mean, shooters are so valuable. I think. Right now, I'd put them at three, but I definitely think they'll have good matchups with Keel next year. And I, I'd have them. They're definitely a top three team in the conference next year. Well, you might as well lock a win at home against Brilliant, right? I, I guess. Pretty much. <laughs> Mason Myers, yeah, but you mentioned him. Like I, I even mentioned on our Monday app this. So the way he was able to contort his body and make some one, like he made some great layups, uh, some some solid spin moves involved, you know just able to really make some great plays offensively. It was, it was a pretty balanced scoring. Otherwise with Hovey leading, I believe with 21 was the, like I said, no stats. But yeah. Trey Schneider added a couple buckets, right? Brady Bodart was, I believe probably around 12 or something. Jackson finished with like 15, you know, it, it was solid, solid output overall. And just like I said, a tough way to go out for the Vikings. Cause um, yeah, I, I guess the winner, Whoever won that game gets that regional plaque, but I, I don't think either of those teams is being Sheboygan Lutheran. However, I would like to add, Howard's Grove did only lose by 10 against Sheboygan Lutheran in the first go-around, but I don't think that's going to happen here. I, I think I think Lutheran's got this one in the bag. What do you think? Miles Barnstable revenge game. I mean, yeah, transferred yeah. from Sheboygan Lutheran. So you never know. His brother played there. Uh, you never know. He could just be on one at Sheboygan South, and he could just go off like he's done a lot of times this year. You mentioned he didn't play maybe like his greatest game against Valders, had a lot of uh, easy points. But, yeah, I, I, I definitely think Sheboygan Lutheran has favored in this one. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've watched Sheboygan Lutheran play twice now this year, and I think if they beat Howard's Grove, I like them over Milwaukee Science just because they're just so much, I think, just better run and they just run actual offense and play actual basketball rather than just playing YMCA ball like Milwaukee Academy of Science does. But I don't know. I, I, I think this one is a close game like most sectional games are. I like I like Lutheran maybe by like, 
I think it'll be a high scoring game. I think 85, 75, I think it'll be high scoring. Yeah. I think high scoring is definitely going to be the way to go for that game as well. And yeah, that, that kind of, that that's the D four area, right? Valor's Valor's keel brilliant and Ron Colley, the four teams were left and now the, the two Keel and Valders losing, and that leaves, you know, our, our top two. So we kind of like say our tier list again. It, it's very similar to that's how it's ended up right now with Brilliant and Ron Colley left with sectional semis coming up Thursday. And yeah, well, we're looking forward to that. Uh, state girls basketball is coming up this week, this weekend, I guess, with at the Rush Center. And then, of course, after the Thursday sectional semis and the Saturday sectional finals. We got state. We're, we're going to the Cole Center, Robert. That's that's where that's happening. And with that, you got anything else to add? No, not really much. I mean, I know the the all conference meeting is happening right now at as we speak at on Thursday on Tuesday. Sorry, Monday night. Excuse me, at New Holstein High School. Um, we probably will not release anything until like it's released officially on Twitter or whatever on WSN. But we might know – players will probably know it by maybe maybe even the end of tonight. But once once they're officially released to the public, I'll get those out posted along with girls too, even though those I think are already decided. Yeah, and with that, we're going to be covering this stuff. We still got our end-of-the-year season recaps, all that good stuff. Maybe a solid hour, you know, recapping girls and boys. And we'll talk about it. We'll talk conference teams still. And then – to kind of like tie everything up once state ends, we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll look at everything and then maybe we'll, we'll start diving into maybe looking at next year. Right. We'll do our brief little previews with that, but, but yeah, this was a great episode, Robert. And, and yeah, thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.